For those of you joining us, perhaps for the first time in December here, we are in the middle of a sermon series. It's a love story. It's drawn from the chapters and pages of what Isaiah wrote to God's people. It is a love story between God and us, and it has not gone well. I am going to show just a very brief video to catch you up. So you might see the arc of the narrative between God's beloved and himself. I wish you were here. I miss you. My heart longs for you. I wish that I was there too. It won't be long and then I will come. I'm on my way. I'm coming soon. The love story so far. Now he's on his way. And not here yet, but coming. And when he comes, oh, hear what Isaiah wrote about being on the way. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who were bound. Perhaps these words sound familiar. If you've been in church all of your life, you know where these words were quoted. In the book of Isaiah, yes, but you, do you remember when Jesus went to his hometown in Nazareth? He unrolled this love story of Isaiah. He recited these words, and then he said to them, I am on my way to fulfilling these words in your hearing. You remember how his hometown crowd received those words? Yeah, they, they were not impressed, right? I mean, I'm from a small town. I know how small town people think. And that you don't put yourself up as something special. No, we're all humble human beings, right? And anyone who kind of makes himself up, oh boy, we got to put you back down, all right? I mean, you're special, but you're not that special, okay? And so Jesus is, is stating to all of his friends and family that he grew up with, I am the long-awaited Messiah. I am the one Isaiah wrote about who is coming to do wonderful things for God's people. I'm on my way even now as you hear it. They were offended. They were scandalized. And they knew what they must do. You see, small towns are much like families. And that we feel the right we have to, uh, to, to do to each other what needs to be done. You know, in a big city, someone makes claims like this. Like, ah, oh, it's this crazy guy. I don't know who he is. They knew who he was, and they knew what they must do. It's very clear in the Scriptures. If anyone, this is Old Testament, anyone comes claiming to be the Messiah, and they are not, they are to be put to death. And so this 
crowd of hometown people. They took Jesus to the edge of their little town that was built on a hill. And they were prepared to throw him headlong to his death. Thinking to themselves that they are doing a work of God. How ironic that Jesus simply walked through their grasp. I mean, he, he is who he says he is. And they, they have no authority over him. Simply, he could walk and be unscathed by what they plan to do. It's also ironic in his walking away that Jesus agrees with them. Yes, I, I have not come to fulfill these words of Isaiah for you, sadly. But make no mistake, I have come and am coming right now to fulfill these words for all who will receive me. Now, we, we can't be too hard on the, on the folks of Nazareth. I mean, think about it. Jesus will be associated with Nazareth for the rest of his life. When people say Jesus, it's Jesus of Nazareth. His reputation is their reputation. And so, it makes sense that they would need to do something about this. Although, they just didn't have all the story. I mean... Jesus moved into Nazareth with his family after he was several years old. They didn't know that Mary was visited by the angel Gabriel. They didn't know that this is David's son, the, the, the son of God, the David's son who will sit on David's throne forever. They didn't know about the star that Magi from the east came and bowed down and worshipped, presenting gifts. They just knew he was the kid down the street, and that's all they knew. What you believe about Jesus, what you know about Him, makes all the difference of whether you will take what you know and what you have heard and receive it into your heart and by the Spirit live it, or whether you will take what you hear, and, and we know a lot about Jesus, we know the whole story about it, but just knowing isn't enough. For you will take that information and simply chuck it headlong over the hill of the life you've built for yourself. But you, you who are gathered here, you who come every week, you know who Jesus is and you rejoice that he has come for you. And that those words of Isaiah, you rejoice that Jesus is coming to fulfill them because you in fact live with the heartache and the brokenness of the sin that Isaiah describes. You know how hard it is to live in a home with family. It's really hard to be married for a long time happily. You know that for the contempt, the baggage. You know how hard it is to have friends for a long time, to be in a congregation happily for a long time. You, you know how hard it is. To live with the temptations and, and, and the desires that churn within and you have given in. We are bound to that which we cannot say no to. And now our beloved is coming for us to set us free. To change our hearts to be like his heart and to dwell in us by the Spirit. It all sounds almost too good to be true and yet it, it's here. He's 
He's coming to bring this change for us. And, and there's a weird thing about change. And we kind of all know it. We just kind of put it out of our minds until it's happening to us. But change is hard. It's uncomfortable. And even when it's a good change that we would want, even so, it's the difficulty that we're experiencing in the life that Isaiah describes is still easier than what the change that Jesus is bringing. It's, it's not unlike what prisoners feel when they're released. No one wants to go back to prison, right? But being on the outside is also very difficult. In fact, we know it's difficult, and so we provide programs, halfway houses, so that it's not prison, but it's not total freedom either. We're helping you get back into this new life of change, of freedom. What will the freedom of Jesus dwelling in us, where all of our sins are forgiven, where, where he is leading us by the Spirit to actually do what he says, what will that be like? We, we need some help. You know, I think of also the, the man that Jesus healed at the pool of Bethesda. He had been in, an invalid for 38 years, unable to walk, unable to do anything. And Jesus, you know, weaved his way into the crowd of people and, and you know, do you want to get better? It's, yeah, okay. Well, then just pick up your mat and walk. And he did. But, but think about this, this enormous change that's come to a pattern of life for 38 years. He has to learn a trade now. He has to get a job. He has to buy a house. He has to learn how to cook and to clean and take care of himself. All of this change is good. He wanted it, but it's not easy. And just knowing how difficult this change that is upon us as Jesus is coming for us, God sent one to prepare the way. He sent John the baptizer. Now John's job was much bigger than simply to cry out into the desert that one greater than him is coming. I, I can't even carry his sandals. Job, John, his job was to prepare us for this change, to, to give us some training, some information, and, and practical tips I mean, all of John's messages in his sermons could really be summarized with one word, and that's repent. And repent is all about change. Change the way you think and the way you act from your self-centered, self-focused, self-only life to now to this new life of seeing that God has placed you where you are in the community, in the family, in the church that you are serve and love the people who are just like you. Not easy to love. Not easy to get along with. And yet by the Spirit of God, you have been set free from the old of the demands. John had some very practical things, things to say, and we can kind of generalize them. Well, he was very specific. You know, like if you have a closet full of clothes... There's an idea. Give half away to those who don't have any. Do the same with your food. And, okay, you know, well, this is training. It's not righteousness. It's not how God will love you. It's training for your heart, for the new life. It's like, 
my life isn't secure by the clothes and the food, but by the one who gives these things. And then another in a very general way, if you're in charge of somebody, and he was very specific, like tax collectors and soldiers and police, could be parents, teachers, anybody who's in charge of someone else, a manager, says, use your power for the good of those under your power, for their care, for their nurture, rather than using that power to just take care of yourself. And then John's harshest words, and he had some pretty bad names to call people who were religious, like us, and he had some really harsh things. He said, said, don't don't use the good things that you're doing as counting them for points, like God is, is keeping score, and it's like, oh, he's giving you points for all the good things. It's not about your prayers or your sacrifices. But religion that pleases God is lived in such a love for God that when you see the orphans and the foreigners living in your land and, and the, uh, the widows, you just naturally take care of them. You see what they need and, and you, you do it. Not for the points, but for love's sake. And then even before Jesus got there, John took people down to the Jordan River and he washed them clean, sins forgiven. You and I, we live in such an interesting time because we're after John, we're after Jesus and his baptism. We've been baptized not by John, but by, into Jesus. And we've received what John said was coming, the Holy Spirit. We have everything that we need until Jesus comes again the second time so that this new life that we have in Jesus, we can do the hard things and to trust Him when we don't have what we demand, when we can love other people, when we can use our gifts and in and, and service to other people, we can use our power in, in, in shepherding and caring and, and protecting all because of Him, Jesus, who's coming again for us. Amen.